Welcome to the Civil Engineering Podcast, the podcast focused on helping civil engineering professionals succeed by exposing them to interesting civil engineering projects and successful civil engineering professionals around the world. Hosts Anthony Fasano and Christian Knudsen had successful but unconventional civil engineering careers and now focus on helping civil engineering professionals achieve their goals in work and life. Welcome to the Civil Engineering Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Fasano, and this is the podcast specifically for civil engineers who want to succeed. In today's episode, the first of 2018, I talk with Steve Soldati and we get into team communication, especially on large projects. And this is a really cool episode because it's the second episode in a row that we've had a really young civil engineering manager who's managing large projects or large teams. And it's great to see civil engineers getting that opportunity in management at a very young age. And Sean McGrath, who was our last guest, and now Steve Soldati, I think have been doing a wonderful job. And hopefully you've enjoyed the episodes on these types of topics. Before we get into the main segment of our show, I want to take a moment to recognize our sponsor for today's episode, PPI. They are helping tomorrow's leaders achieve licensure exam success. Be sure to listen up at the end of this podcast to hear my advice on a super practical way you can advance in your career. Thanks to PPI, I also have an exclusive 20% discount available only to listeners of this podcast. So stay tuned for that. I also want to take a moment to tell you about our new Engineering Management Accelerator Workshop, which you can find at engineertomanager.com. For almost 10 years now, we've been trying to figure out how to help engineers become more effective engineering managers. And I believe we finally figured out how. And it comes down to three words, intensity, focus, and accountability. And if you enroll in our Engineering Management Accelerator Workshop, you will experience all three. I'm going to tell you more about the program at the end of the show as we are currently enrolling engineers for our next session, which begins in about three weeks on January 23rd, 2018. You can check it out at engineertomanager.com. Now I'd like to introduce our guest for today's civil engineering conversation so you get to know a little bit more about him before we dive in. Steve Soldati is a project manager contracted by the Florida's Turnpike Enterprise to manage capital improvement projects, resurfacing, and other miscellaneous projects for one of the largest toll facilities in the country. He is involved with the planning, procurement, design, and construction of each project to assure the successful project completion on schedule and under budget. Steve champions an integrated project delivery team that efficiently and effectively provides beneficial results to the client. His forward thinking and risk management approach results in better managed and scheduled projects. It's important to Steve to promote a culture of teamwork and mentorship, which results in a sustainable and motivated work environment. Communicating effectively within the team is crucial to the success of any project. And that's exactly what we're going to talk mainly about in this interview is project communication, team communication. So now we're going to jump into today's civil engineering conversation where Steve's going to tell you a little bit more about himself and we will dive in to the so important topic of communication. Civil Engineering Podcast. Civil Engineering Podcast. Now it's time for our Civil Engineering Conversation. I'd like to welcome Steve Soldati to the Civil Engineering Podcast. Steve, welcome to the Civil Engineering Podcast. Thank you for having me. So Steve, before we get started, I already introduced you to our listeners, but in your own words, why don't you give the listeners a little bit of an overview of your role? 
I was born and raised in California. I went out to college at the California State University, Chico, where I then shortly after that got licensed in California with my PE. Now I'm a project manager with HNTB in Florida, contracted by the Florida's Turnpike Enterprise, uh, one of the largest tolling agencies in the country to manage transportation projects, including multi-million dollar highway capacity improvements, resurfacings, and other small projects. I act as a client representative involved with the planning, procurement, design, and construction of each project to assure successful project completion. My responsibility is to manage the scope, budget, and schedule of each of those projects. I also serve as the renewal and replacement manager in which I lead the effort for evaluating all of the Turnpike's assets, such as pavement, guardrail, lighting, signs, bridges, etc., and determine which assets need to be replaced from year to year. And about how long have you been practicing as a civil engineer? I've been practicing as a civil engineer, a licensed civil engineer, for just about five years now and have about eight years of postgraduate experience. Wow. So you're a relatively young guy to be involved in some of these big projects. Congratulations on that. Oh, thank you. So the reason that I reached out to Steve was because it was obvious through some of his stuff online, like his LinkedIn profile, that he was very involved in projects that were big projects. Like I said before, a lot of moving parts, a lot of team members. And whenever you have projects like that, obviously communication is critical. So Steve, let's start right there. Why is communication so important for engineering professionals, especially civil engineers in this industry? Well, engineers work in an industry where there's constant problem solving and our solutions affect everyone in our society. So to reach these solutions, there are several steps to get through, which takes time, teamwork, and focus to deliver projects under budget and within schedule. Engineers rarely work in a vacuum by themselves, so there are so many moving parts and people involved with projects that it takes top-notch communication to reach these goals. Communication is more than just being able to write well, give a presentation, make eye contact, etc. It's a two-way road every time you interact with people, whether on whether one-on-one with a close colleague working on a specific problem or presenting a high-profile topic to a large public audience. The way we communicate sets the foundation and influences the relationships of those we work with. Yeah, absolutely, Steve. You make a good point there. It's a two-way street. There's back and forth involved. There's listening involved. And that's always something that's really important for people to understand. So you're relatively young, but you've been involved in some of these larger projects. So it's obvious that you had to improve your skills pretty quickly in your career. So how have you been able to communicate effectively? What are some of the things that you've done to improve your communication skills? Yeah, a few things that I've done early on in my career was get involved with a leadership development program and also get involved with Toastmasters, which is a public speaking program. All leaders should be able to communicate well and be comfortable with public speaking. But on top of that, these leadership development programs typically dig into personality trait surveys like the Myers-Briggs, which a lot of people have heard of, which helps individuals understand themselves and others. One of the biggest pillars of communication is understanding your audience. So these programs taught me how to properly structure my communication techniques for either persuasive or informative communication, and then provide an environment to practice with constructive feedback. Also, I've learned how to be a better active listener. I have found with my experience, you know, thus far that, you know, communication isn't always one direction. You always need to be a good listener to be able to understand what you're being told to be able to identify a problem and work with a team to provide a a good solution. And lastly, you really had to learn how to be confident. And to be confident, I had to 
really know and understand my material. So I can't emphasize it enough to study it and know your material. What I make sure I do is understand the scope, schedule, and budget for any project because knowing your project constraints will help me guide to the proper solution. Another way to be confident is to act confident. Body language goes a long way. That's great, Steve. And I think Steve really hit on two critical points there when it comes to communication, which is the ability to speak in public and present your ideas in front of people. I also often recommend Toastmasters for engineers. It's Toastmasters International. It's a global organization. It's very inexpensive and can help you improve. So check that out. And we'll link to that in the resources. And also even our new workshop that we created, the Engineering Management Accelerator Workshop. The main component is developing a presentation for your company about a challenge that they're facing and how to solve it. So that's a huge point. And then the point that Steve just touched on, confidence, is really critical. I mean, it's hard to be a good communicator if you're not confident in what you're communicating about. And Steve makes some good points is know your material. So whatever project you're working on, read the specs or look at the plans again or make a couple of calls before you go to a meeting so that you know your stuff inside and out. And that's going to make it easier to communicate. Personally, I think that's one of the biggest challenges that all engineers face in communication is just not being confident enough because that really can, can knock you off the track. And the one thing, too, that I'll say just about what Steve has said so far, especially this last question, I think as a civil engineer, you should be able to answer that question. Like, what have you done to improve your communication skills? Because it's easy for people to say communication is important because we work on teams, which we do. But the point is, is what are you actually doing to improve it? Like, Steve was very clear. He's in a leadership development program. He's gotten into Toastmasters, which has obviously been really helpful for him. And he knows his stuff. He studies his projects. What are you doing to improve your communication skills? Think about that. So, Steve, along those lines, are there any tools that you use or you might recommend to improve or streamline communications? Yeah, absolutely. I think this day and age, with technology being where it is, we have such a prevalence of tools that we could use, whether it's texting, phone calls, emails, instant messenger. Here at the office that I work at, we use GoToMeeting and then any type of other visual aids within the room that you may have. You know, for me, good communication starts with understanding what works well with your team members in the environment. One example that I have for that is where I work, so many people are in meetings all the time, day in, day out. And so it'd be great to be able to walk down to uh, their office, have a conversation, get some information from them. But a lot of times they're not available to that level. And so sending off an email or a quick instant messenger is a, an effective and quick way to receive information and to communicate with that person when they're not available, you know, face to face. So with that, I have found that GoToMeeting is also a great tool that we use here in the office because, again, you know, we have a very large organization that we work at and there are people spread throughout the entire state from consultants to the client offices to traffic operation folks to maintenance folks to whoever it may be for a project. And so being able to, so really teleconferencing is really the only reasonable way to communicate. But on top of that, we take it one step further and be able to use a tool that we're able to show Google Earth or different plan sheets or documents such that the whole team can be looking at the same document and you're not fumbling over which details you're looking at on a sheet that only one person has for the group. And so, you know, it really kind of helps the collaboration on any topic, any project that really helps. So another tool that I've used, which is really helpful, uh, and this kind of goes towards providing some context and some time management, is provide an agenda. 
we have found that with our group being such a fast-paced environment that uh, everybody's very busy. We're in meetings. We have so much on our minds. And so for a project manager like myself to produce an agenda and then send it out a day or two in advance really helps the team members be able to become more prepared for that meeting and have a more productive discussion within maybe a 15 or 30 minute time frame when in the past it took about 15, 20 minutes to kind of get everybody up to speed as to what we're trying to accomplish. And so on top of that, really trying to provide the problem statement and the goal and provide the, the context that's needed for that. Because again, you know, we're a bunch of engineers and we can turn anything into an R&D project, but with a clearly defined scope and goal for a specific meeting or a specific problem, we're able to then streamline the discussion and the problem solving and the communication and really keep projects moving forward. So for me, uh, the use of agendas, which clearly defines the scope and then provides some context for other engineers and other maybe non-engineers is paramount. That's great, Steve. And I think the one main takeaway there from what Steve is saying is that by taking action before a meeting or prior to some sort of communication that's planned, you can streamline that communication, like preparing an agenda cuts down on the meeting time or makes the meeting more productive. If you're going on a site visit, if you look at something beforehand, or if you send out an email with a couple of bullet points, if these are the things I want to go over when I visit the site today, the person on the other end can be prepared for that ahead of time and they can walk you through those points. You're eliminating some of the back and forth or some of the waiting or stalling or inaccurate information that's available. So what I like to do is take a look at my calendar either on the Friday before the following week or even on the weekend for the upcoming week. And similar to what Steve is saying is try to see what I can do ahead of time and reach out to people and confirm meetings and confirm podcasts and other things like that. So think about, I think, being preemptive and maybe using some of the tools. And we'll link to the tools and the other resources that we talk about, as we always do in, in the show notes for this episode. Before we get a little bit more into team communication, some specific points, can you give any examples of a positive or negative communication instances in your career that might be helpful for the listeners to learn about? Going to my point earlier about how many people are involved with these projects, I started out in construction uh, early on in my career before I became licensed. I found that trying to incorporate an integrated project delivery team was so important and beneficial to any project. And what that means is pretty much pulling people from outside of your little niche of work that you're doing. So whether it's a person in maintenance or somebody in operations or a designer or um, a construction individual, providing those individuals the opportunity to provide some feedback and some input to a project will just help the communication of providing the context and the, and the information that we all need to be able to move forward with the solution. I would say that one of the negatives that I've seen with communication, and again, I fail at this, I'm still working on this as well, but we all know what happens when you assume. There's been cases in my career where I've just assumed that this person knows that they need to be reviewing a certain document or this person needs to put this project or this task assignment really high on their priority list. But a lot of times, whenever I assume that things aren't always what I thought, because maybe they're getting some direction from somewhere else that could be uh, causing conflict with that. So for me, making sure that it's very clear as to you know what kind of deadline that we're working with. And so that way, the person that you're communicating with is clear as to what the goal is. That sounds great. Sure. Setting those expectations, I think, are very important and they can really reduce any stress or errors in communication. 
All right. So, Steve, one of the main things I wanted to talk to you about and the reason I asked you to come on is team communication because you do work on some larger projects. As you said earlier, you do work on teams with lots of different consultants. So let's look at four different instances of team communication. And the first one I want to talk about or I want to ask you about is communicating with your team early on in project development. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, this is really crucial because, you know, from an early stage, uh, from the concept stage of a project, depending on how much clarity and how much direction you were given from, let's say, the client or, you know, whoever else from the public, that project can really go in any direction. And it can go into a real deep scope. It can go into a very shallow scope. And really, the purpose of that project can be kind of gray, you know, up front. So I think it's important to ask a lot of questions up front to really ask a lot of questions in different ways from the team as a a leader of that group or a project manager or whoever's leading up uh, the discussion to really identify what the end goal is. Because with that, that helps everybody identify what road, what path we're taking. Because without that end goal, without kind of that roadmap of where you're going, it'll be easy to, to get off track. And so with an early stage of a project, it's clear to uh, you know have a very close, intimate communication with the end user, whatever it may be. Is it the public? Is it a client within your office? Is it whatever it may be to really have a clear understanding of what we're trying to accomplish? And from there, we're able to set schedules, set budgets, and set scope uh, from the get-go. All right. So how about inevitably in these larger projects, there's going to be conflicts that come up. And so the next aspect of team communication I'd like you to talk a little bit about is conflict resolution. Yeah. Conflict resolution happens, I think, all the time because, again, there there are several people with different focuses and different responsibilities when on a project from concept to construction. And so typically there, for example, in civil engineering, you could have a variety of different disciplines, roadway, drainage, structures, utilities, lighting. I mean, all of those disciplines and uh, will have work items within the same footprint of a project. And so when push comes to shove and there is a conflict between, for example, between the two, that's where communication is going to become very key with how you approach it and the types of questions you ask. And really, it all comes down to the schedule and the budget. There are going to be several solutions for any given problem most of the time, but it's going to come down to what type of cost that the client is willing to pay. It's going to depend on the type of schedule that the client can accommodate. And again, it goes back to the end users of what we're trying to accomplish. A lot of times in civil engineering, there's a lot of political drive and political influence. And so that sometimes will drive a solution. And from there, we may go with a more expensive option just because, you know, there are other factors uh, in play. So, again, um, depending on the situation and the conflict, it's really kind of stepping back and figuring out what our new goal may be considering the conflict. Again, just to kind of recap that, because that's a really important one, conflict resolution is what Steve's saying there, I think, is to just identify what the drivers might be for the conflict, whether it's the money, whether it's the schedule, whether it's political, so that you can best try to address or alleviate those points. Right, Steve? Absolutely. I've been in scenarios where I was in construction and a conflict came up because of political influence and drive. We ended up with a a pretty expensive solution to move forward to achieve a certain goal. 
because it was the political way to go. So, you know, from an engineering standpoint, it wasn't the most cost effective. But again, there's other drivers in conflicts than just schedule, budget and the scope itself. All right. The third aspect of team communication is when there are uh, differing opinions, which I think is a little bit different than when there's actually a conflict. But you might have people on the same team with some different ideas, different opinions about something. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, different opinions, it can be something that I would want to catch very early on because when you have a different opinion, it's almost like a warning that this could become a conflict, but not necessarily is a conflict yet. So I encourage my teams and the people who I work with that if you have a different opinion to please bring it up as early as you can. That way we can have the proper discussion early on to determine if it will have a true impact on the project and then before and hopefully before it becomes an actual conflict. So with that, it's important for anybody because a lot of times those different opinions can be worked out very easily with minimal impact to the project early on as long as everybody is being honest with and, and forthcoming with that information. When it comes to opinions on schedule, as a project manager, I'm able to explain why we're going a certain way and that could really help somebody understand, you know, again, going back to the, providing that context for a project for them to understand, you know, why we're doing something. And then again, when it comes to an opinion on maybe how much we should spend on a certain solution, well, going back to identifying what the goal was from the very get-go. We may only have limited budget or, you know, there might be some reasoning why we don't want to spend too much money on a certain solution because of we have plans elsewhere. So again, for me as a PM, whenever I see people with different opinions, I want to be able to address those early on. That way we're not addressing these items last minute, which could result in, in conflicts, which would blow the entire schedule and the budget if approached late in the project. All right. And the last one, Steve, the last aspect of team communication that I want you to touch on is when you have several dozen people involved, you work on some large projects that have a lot of different consultants, contractors, engineers, and there's a lot of people involved. How do you manage or talk about team communication in a situation like that? That's a tricky one because depending on what the issues are that you're trying to communicate, there's a balance between having that project or that integrated project delivery team technique, but also being able to not have too many cooks in the kitchen, you know, so to speak. When it comes to having large organizations and large groups involved with any project, this is where it takes some of that judgment and some of that experience on who you should invite. And a lot of times what I do is before maybe like a big meeting, maybe like a big workshop, I may go to one of my disciplines to ask, what do you think of this scenario? Like, do you feel like you need to be there? If not, then I definitely try to keep that person out of the conversation because, you know, you really want to be effective and productive with your conversations and your discussions, communications within that meeting. So when it comes to a large group, it's my responsibility to identify who should be there and who shouldn't and understand why that is. All right. So just to recap, there were four aspects of team communication that Steve reviewed with us. The first one was early in project development. And the key to communication early in the project development, again, is to set those expectations for everyone so everyone's on the same page. Secondly, we talked about conflict resolution. And Steve talked about identifying the main drivers. Is it money? Is it schedule? Is it political? That's going to help you try to diffuse a conflict. Thirdly, we talked about differing opinions. 
And the key to this, Steve mentioned, was to try to get to this early on in the project. If there's differing opinions, try to uncover them and try to diffuse them or talk them out earlier rather than later when things are more intense and more stressful. And then lastly, we just talked about communicating in projects where there's a lot of people involved. And again, it's just about expectations and being clear. And what Steve said is try to identify how many people really need to be involved in certain aspects of the communication. And hopefully those will be helpful for you. So what I want you to do now is stick around for a minute. Steve and I are going to come back with our CE Hot Seat segment. And I'll ask Steve a few final questions about his professional development. Civil Engineering Podcast. Civil Engineering Podcast. Now it's time for our CE Hot Seat segment, which in today's episode is brought to you by our sponsor, PPI. One of the biggest pieces of advice I can provide to engineers is to get your professional license as early as possible. It's a practical way to advance your career, earn more money, and set yourself apart. To learn more about the exams, including invaluable exam tips, check out PPI's Resource Center for the FENPE exams. It's a one-stop hub for all the information that you need to register, prepare for, and ultimately pass your exam. Visit ppi2pass.com forward slash resources to learn more. Again, that's ppi, the number two, pass.com forward slash resources. And if you need exam prep materials, use promo code TECH on PPI's website for an exclusive 20% discount. Again, that's the promo code TECH, T-E-C-C, which stands for The Engineering Career Coach. All right, I'm back here with Steve Soldati from HNTB. Steve's a project manager, and he spent some time with us today talking about communication. But now we're just going to ask Steve a few questions about his own professional development. Steve, you ready? Yes. All right, first question. Are there any specific rituals that you practice every day? For example, do you have a specific morning ritual or lunchtime ritual, things that you do consistently on a daily basis that contribute to you being a successful professional? I'm an early bird. My ritual is to get up and actually go to the gym or go for a run or, you know, do some type of exercise before my day. And what this does for me is not only gets the blood flowing and, and checks off the, the fitness checkbox, you know, within my life, but also it helps me prepare and think about the day ahead. It helps me think about the issues that I'm going to be faced with and then come up with a good game plan. Because, you know, for me, the whole saying failure to plan is plan to fail, I take seriously. So for me, being able to get up early and, and really kind of have like me time, you know, my own time to be away from other fo- or communicating with other folks and just have my own time to gear up for the day. And so that's really like my biggest ritual that I have that really benefits my professional career. That's great. So you get your workout in in the morning, but at the same time, like you said, you're sizing up the day and thinking about what's ahead of you. That's great. All right, Steve. What's one or a few books that you might recommend to engineers regularly, or just maybe a book that you found to be extremely helpful for you in your professional or personal development? There's been a few books that have been recommended to me that, but the couple that really stand out to me, there's two books. The first one is a book called The Elements of Style, and this is by William Strunk Jr. and E.B. White. It's an older book, I believe back during the, the mid 20th century, but it's a book about writing, your writing skills. As an engineer, when we go through our engineering curriculum through college, I mean, we're so focused on design, the technical classes, and I really, in my opinion, don't focus enough on the softer skills of things, including, you know, uh, not only the people management, but also just the writing skills, communication skills. 
and whatnot. So this book really kind of broke it down back to the fundamentals of what it means to communicate well. And so even though it's geared towards the writing, it really kind of makes you think about how you can communicate verbally as well. And so being an engineer, you know, a lot of us, including myself, tend to be very technical and use jargon that maybe only other engineers will truly understand. But this is a book that really helps bring me back to the fundamentals and, and just really kind of keeping things simple as I communicate. Because when you start to overcomplicate your communication, that's where things can kind of get a little out of control. So in essence, it's just keeping things simple. Another book that I recently just finished, it's not a, a newer book. It was written back in 2009, but there's an author by the name of Simon Sinek, and his book is Starting With Why. And this book was really interesting to me because what he describes in the book is, you know, a lot of companies, a lot of people can describe what they do and, and how they do it, but very few companies can really define and, and answer or describe why they do it. And so when thinking about my own career and my own way of doing things in, in my life, the times that I'm able to communicate well and really have that internal drive is when I can answer why. Why am I doing this? Why am I a civil engineer? Why do I give back to the community? Why do I do this? Why do I do that? It was really a good book to help, I think, myself go beyond just the, the technical aspects of this career and really kind of get into more of the internal drive of why do I get up every day and then go into this career. So it's a really good book. He used a lot of great examples for different companies, and, and I really you know, highly suggest it. That's great. Yeah, those are two great books. I remember the first one, The Elements of Style. I remember my high school English teacher giving me a copy, of the, giving us all a copy of that book. And Star With Why is also great. You can actually just go to YouTube as a start and watch Simon Sinek's one of his talks about, I think you just Google Start With Why, and you'll see a really great video of him talking about exactly what Steve talked about. And just that alone can get you thinking in that direction. It is really helpful. Steve, got one final question. We call it the civil engineering career elevator advice question. So if you got into an elevator with a civil engineer and had about 30 to 40 seconds with him or her and had to give him or her career advice in that short period of time, what would it be? You know, honestly, my first boss out of college told me this. He said, first impressions are lasting impressions. And that has stuck with me for the last eight years. And that what that really means is be polite, be professional, be respectful, and be courteous. And if you do all those things from the very get-go, from square one, right out of the gate, you'll set yourself up for good relationships, good communication, and overall good careers. And that's something that, you know, you don't need to be rich for. You don't need to have another type of education. You just need to be a good human being. And so if you're able to provide those and show those traits from the very get-go, your relationships throughout your career will be nothing but good with those folks. And you'll have so much control over your career if you start with those. Steve Soldati from HNTV. Steve, I just want to say thank you for coming on the show and sharing some of what you learned with our listeners. So Again, Steve, thank you so much. It was a pleasure to have you on the Civil Engineering Podcast. Absolutely. Well, thanks for having me. Before we sign off, remember earlier in the show, I mentioned how we've created a new program called the Engineering Management Accelerator Workshop, which combines intensity, focus, and accountability. Well, it's intense because it's a five-week online program, mostly done outside of working hours. You'll focus because you'll be put on a team with other engineers. You'll be given an engineering management problem, and then we'll give you five one-hour skill-building calls on skills like communication, like we talked about with Steve today, 
networking, productivity, and leadership. And we'll also give you some individual group coaching calls. We'll put you in a private forum with your team and a coach, and you'll sprint and you'll find a solution. Then for accountability, you will present your solution at the end of the program to our coaches and also to your company once you are finished. This is not only accountability, but it's a huge opportunity because the problems that we give you may generate real solutions for your company while helping you become an effective engineering manager and improving your speaking skills. I have met way too many engineers that haven't been able to make that engineer to manager leap. And this program is built to change that. And I built this program really from my experience as a civil engineer. So I, a lot of the topics you'll see very relevant to your career as a civil engineer, especially those of you that want to be managers or want to be more effective managers. So please visit engineertomanager.com to enroll for our next session. Spots are limited and we did sell out our first session in just a few days. Also on the website, you will see a tab for company reimbursement right below the video. Just click get reimbursed on that page. You will find a one page PDF and some text that you can send with it to your supervisor in an email and you'll probably get reimbursed. 90% of our students have again, that's www.engineertomanager.com. And our next session starts January 23rd, 2018. Please remember, you can find the show notes for this episode of the Civil Engineering Podcast at civilengineeringpodcast.com. Look for Steve Soldati or put Steve's name into the search bar. You'll find a summary of the key points discussed in today's episode, as well as links to any of the resources, websites, or books mentioned during the episode. You can leave a question in the comments section or visit the Ask Us tab on the website. We monitor all comments and will respond if you leave us one. Until next time, I wish you the best in all of your civil engineering career endeavors. Thank you for listening to the Civil Engineering Podcast. Be sure to visit civilengineeringpodcast.com where you can listen to past episodes and also submit your project to be featured on the show. We also invite you to visit our main website at engineeringcareercoach.com and download a free three-part video series created specifically for engineers to help you best utilize LinkedIn for networking, improve your communication and speaking skills, and also help to develop your leadership abilities. Now is the time to engineer your own success. 